0: A vast ye and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I wasn't being sarcastic. That's just how I talk.
1: And I'm Jesse Blount in I Would Love to Be Stabbed by Jim.
0: <laughs> so I almost did that <laughs> one and I was like, Jesse wants that one. I can't do it.
1: I, so... <laughs> I, I picked like five other lines just in case you picked it, so don't ever be afraid of being like, oh, this is going to want that line because I always have backups.
0: <laughs> I wanted you to have that line. Like it felt <laughs> like it belonged to you. And also yeah, it really... the thing that Lucia says is true about me as well. So that also felt <laughs> like I should use it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, anyway. <laughs> so
0: what happens in this episode?
1: <laughs> um, so we, uh, we start off this episode with Ed weirdly talking about leaving for quote unquote the next adventure, which is honestly more important to Steed than the actual crisis of them having no oranges aboard, especially since the Swede has scurvy. Thankfully, they are nearby state Augustines, which is rich in oranges. Though Jim is like, nah, it's like hot and humid and terrible and no one should ever go there. The crew is like, what the fuck? And Oluwande especially is like, what the fuck? But it's in a course. Um, we get Jim having a bit of a traumatic flashback to when baby Jim watched, um, someone get stabbed and then taking their family knife off of that body. All of one day tries to get Jim to talk to him about why they don't want to go to this place because Jim is clearly freaked out about it when Steed asked. Thankfully, Steed and Lucius return to that exact same moment with no oranges, but an overpriced tourist trap treasure map. Roach is incredulous, but Black Pete, seeing an opportunity to get in good with Blackbeard, decides to lead a search for more oranges. Jim also gets roped in, as uh, Olawande so says that they are from here. Steed, meanwhile, is so so excited to get to go treasure hunting with Ed, but Ed is like mate, that's a pirate trip that that's a pirate trope and not a thing people actually do. Uh, Jim, meanwhile, is pissed at, at Olawande for forcing their hand to come. And is like, why? We've been like buds for a year, and I don't even know your favorite color or your birth date or like what kind of gifts you like or your favorite LaCroix-like flavor. But <laughs> at least he learns at the end of this that their favorite color is teal. Uh, the rest of the guys find some oranges, but oh no, Jim knows this place. It's where their knife-wielding nun grandmother lives. Oluwande is loving this. He's finally going to get some embarrassing stories about his crush, which he does. <laughs> <laughs> Nana likes Ola one day, because for real, who wouldn't? Handsome, speaks Spanish, charming, has a great sense of humor. Full package, y'all. A few miles away, Ed is hangry AF and is so over walking to this botanical park. Steed and Lucius are trying to be optimistic, but Ed is extremely moody and not much of an outdoors person, especially when a snake falls on him. Finally, though, an opportunity for a snack break. Over lunch, Ed and Steed have an iconic Weird, gay, flirting <laughs> moment that Lucius watches with increased recognition and shock. Uh, back at the church, Jim is just throwing some knives, and we get some backstory that Nana is the one that taught Jim all the knife, the, all the wild knife work, and the fighting skills that they know in order to take revenge against the bandits that murdered their family. Nana wants all of the gory details about what Jim's done so far, and they fess up that they've only killed the main dude, the dude that stabbed their father. Nana is not thrilled by this, and Olawanda goes after an extremely pissed off Jim. Some ways away, Steve's treasure map has been burnt up, and Ed is still pretty much over this. Lucius is fucking pissed because Ed's been shitty all day to Steve, who set up this whole quasi-date for Ed for Ed's enjoyment, which is hard because Ed is too fucking cool for school. And clearly y'all like each other to just stop being a dick. Thankfully, this, this hilarious tirade gets through to Ed, who does not give up on their adventure, even when only having map scraps. All of one Day manages to find Jim in a field, which is actually Jim's family, family's land and where they grew up before their whole family was killed by some asshole mercenaries. It's a pretty bleak story. Um, Jim shrugs off grandma's intensity as they are their only family, but is like, uh, I could be your family, and we are so close to them kissing <laughs> when Steed wanders in. So our two storylines have collided, and Steve looks for treasure at the base of Jim's family tree when he finds a petrified orange. Steve is ecstatic, especially as Jim doesn't want it, and Steve gets to keep it. Everyone heads back to the ship except for Jim, who's going to resume their rolling rampage of revenge, not for their Nana, but for themselves. At the church, Roche now has a ton of oranges, and all one day is incredibly sad about Jim leaving. On the revenge, Ed and Steve are having a nightcap and decide that maybe they could be co-captains not a euphemism. Finally, at the Republic of Pirates, Izzy is still complaining to Jackie about how Steed stole his man from him when the British show up, headed up by Chauncey Badman himself. They all have one thing in common, wanting to get rid of Steed Bonnet. And Izzy can set this up. For a price. Dun-dun-dun.
0: Yup. Alright, so everyone, there are only three more episodes after this one, so don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and tell all of your friends about us like now so that they can all listen in real time and also people will be able to find us. Also, don't forget that we're doing a live recording of the finale on July 23rd, and you can get tickets through the link in the show notes. What else? You should check out our incredible pirate merch, which is in our shop, and follow us on social media and join our Patreon if you haven't done that already. Yeah, the links for all those things are in the show notes. So with that, we're going to enter our first segment. Oh. Talk it through. Sorry. Oh,
1: sorry. I was just going to point out, in case you have not watched the whole series, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast.
0: So, oh, that's right. Thank you.
1: Especially now that we're in the home stretch of this show.
0: Yes. All right. So with that, we are going to enter our first segment, Talk it Through as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. You first.
1: Uh okay. So my first observation that I'm maybe you have a similar thing is the hilarious line about uh Ed liking his tea with a splash of milk and seven sugars. Yes. Um, and I just want to point out for everyone who hadn't thought this through, teacups are pretty small. Like they hold like, I feel like not even half a cup of liquid. So mm-hmm. Ed is drinking his Ed is drinking basically tea flavored sugar syrup.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I wrote this as simple syrup. Like he is drinking or like it's on its way to being caramel, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I I have a pretty intense sweet tooth and that is this this is too much sugar for me i'm like oh my god (laughs) no wonder you're so hangry later ed (laughs) (laughs) truly
0: (laughs) man's blood sugar is all fucked up uh yeah it's hilarious it's such a good it's so fucking funny i love this show so much i know uh, yeah, I want to talk about Steed just hilariously being such a shithead about ro- Roach Roach using all the oranges. <laughs> and just and not taking any responsibility. He's so funny.
1: Roach's facial
0: expression just during that whole
1: encounter, uh, when they're all in the galley or whatever, is just, it's priceless.
0: It's so good.
1: Um, s- sort of along this point, um, so like we're all assuming that steed had roach make this cake for him and ed right because like why else (laughs) is he like we have to use 50 oranges for this cake
0: yeah sure i accept yeah because if the rest of the crew didn't eat it then it's not like steed was eating cake by himself
1: steed is like you know what's really gonna impress ed is a 50 orange cake
0: (laughs) yep and he's correct because i made that cake (laughs) everyone and it was so good
1: I still need to make it it was so
0: good I'm gonna make it again and I'm gonna make like a cookie like a video for Patreon of me making this cake so that everyone can but the the actor who plays Roach is also a baker and he posted a recipe for this cake on Twitter and a bunch of people made it including myself and I swear to god I have like never had such a good piece of dessert in my entire life and I don't even know how to bake it's a very accessible recipe
1: uh, I like how the actors also like retweeted like hundreds of photos th- th- like if you basically if you make this cake and you post it on Twitter he will retweet it and I'm like mm-hmm. what a what a precious human
0: I know Ugh. so good me yeah me um Steve has a nice shovel and a glass can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he sure does.
0: That's... He, like, went to sea prepared to find a treasure map.
1: I feel like we can kind of safely say that Steed is a bit of a, a naturalist. So I bet he was like, well, what if I find, like, some cool plants or, like, some cool rocks? I need to, like, have my shovel for that. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know?
0: That's very true.
1: Um, Nothing makes me laugh more than... We John Roach and Frenchie at the church and Frenchie's just completely half-assed
0: sign of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh that
1: makes me laugh so much.
0: Definitely um making a gif of that to put in the the gallery of images that we include in the show notes for all of the episodes, because it is so fucking funny. I,
1: th- I feel like that sums up my view of Christianity. Having spent a lot of my elementary school years going to Catholic school. <laughs> yeah. It's just, is summed up in that gif of Frenchie doing just like the limp, wristiest half-assed.
0: <laughs> it's so good. Uh, uh, um, My next thing is Ed just having like this hangry fucking fit on this walk. I'm like, his level of like just outrage at being accused of being intense is so funny to me. Um,. And the fact that it's, like, so closely followed by the snake scene, which culminates in him punting the <laughs> snake. <like that> part.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very much like, please, someone get him uh, some fucking snacks. Like, y'all didn't bring any hardtack, any biscuits, like, fucking nothing.
0: <laughs> get this dude some
1: saltines. I don't know. Some beef jerky. Something.
0: <laughs> yeah. A banana. Right. I feel like super quick mm-hmm. electrolyte shot. Anything he needs to eat. Well, and he solves that problem. The snake solves the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to point out. So the I don't remember who from the cast denies the fact that the bag over the shovel is a crown royal bag, but it looks like a. I don't believe them. That is a crown royal bag. That. <laughs> Lucius has over that shovel. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I saw that and I am like, "What a fucking." On
0: that? I feel like someone on the props department is crying right now.
1: <laughs> no, they, that person probably handmade that bag. Like they handmade all these fucking outfits for Steed, and I'm like, "You could have picked a slightly different color if you didn't want people to be like, okay, but."
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah the first time i saw that online i was like oh my god that's hilarious and like i don't know given this show it's like wouldn't be that surprising if it just like straight up was a crown royal bag you know that they were just like yeah here you go have an easter egg
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i appreciate this show for its complete lack of historical accuracy um where for a bit like specifically just to like commit to something that like is entertaining <laughs>
0: so. right exactly uh my next thing is the little hop that ed does as he's like shuffling over to jim and Olawande to be like we're just gonna we're just gonna let steed shovel for a bit <laughs> it's like the cutest <laughs> fucking
1: it is very endearing um okay i don't remember if this got cut out of last episode but Olu- i want to talk about olawanda getting lost in the ship I know I brought this up last time.
0: I haven't edited that yet, so I don't know. But we can talk about it.
1: Yeah. Um, The fact that Jim says this is why I think that Olawande is, like, barely present in the previous episode.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, you did bring that up. Uh, yes. I believe that we established that as being canon. Okay. Last time we talked about it. Um, I also have directional dyslexia, which... Love to see it represented in other people because it's not talked about hardly at all. Uh, but getting lost in spaces that you're very familiar with, uh, gang. I am one of you, along with Cheaty from the Good Place. Oh, so.
1: I love
0: Cheezy from the Good Place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's my turn. This yeah. is my last one.
1: I have a few more, but
0: okay. Well, then you should go first.
1: Um. Because time doesn't matter on the show, we really have no idea how long, how much time has passed between last episode and this episode.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But however long it's been, I feel like when we get to Spanish Jackie and you look at her face and her face is the face of someone who's heard Izzy Hands complaining about Steed for the past 12 hours, if not more.
0: Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, and I just realized that that scene at the end could be like totally out of sync with everything that we're watching on with it, this too. So yeah. it could be like any length of time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, Izzy whining about Steve is my last thing here <laughs> because it's so funny. <laughs> I, I feel like I should just put a clip of it in here because he's so funny. It's so like exactly how people complain about like interlopers into their friend groups in bars
1: yeah I actually almost had one of Izzy's lines from that as one of my quotes just because it's just like he's just like oh Blackbit, I love your dress the way you dress and your hair and your beard and all and it's just like my dude Izzy do you hear yourself <laughs> R.I.P. Izzy Hand, you would have loved Live Journal.
0: (laughs) Oh, he would.
1: (sighs) All right. So my last thing is also about Spanish Jackie and just about how much she does not want to be speaking to Chauncey Badminton. He's just like, "Why they call you Spanish Jackie?" And she's like, "I don't know." And it's like or she knows she just is not going to fucking talk <laughs> to this dude. And I
0: just
1: think about that she said that. It's just like
0: it's so perfect.
1: Oh, wow. It's just I know. I love it so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. She's incredible welcome to a crew of imbeciles where we talk about character development uh the swede was the perfect choice for who to give scurvy to i don't think anyone else could have delivered scurvy the way that the swede is delivering scurvy
1: yeah i think you're 110 percent correct especially just yeah that it's like the sort of like Comedic naivete like only really the Swede even has that so you can have him being
0: like the teeth don't go back in (laughs) it's just like (laughs) oh no (laughs) and the fact that like I mean Oluwade says go for a run Swede in a way that feels like this is a this is a thing that they do when the Swede is like pestering them is be like go for a run and then he just like does lapse around the ship, presumably.
1: Either that, or like when he's just like freaking out about something, and they're just like, "You have too much nervous energy. I'm gonna need you to like run around the ship until you've calmed down."
0: Yeah, I think it's you.
1: <sighs> um, so I only have um Ed, Jim, and a little bit about Steed here in this section.
0: Oh my gosh, I have so much about Olawande. Alright. As my first person. Okay,
1: yeah, let's go to Olawande. I like was like I like I put his name in my notes and then didn't actually take any notes and then I'm like, oh well. But we can talk about it because this is also a big episode for him.
0: It's true, it is. Yeah, so Olawande is like a I feel like this is the first time that we really fully meet him. Um, And I think it's partly because he's, like, in a kind of a mood in this episode. And I feel like you kind of get to know a person more when you get to see sort of them not necessarily at their best. And I like that Olawande a little touchy, is actually still, like, so lovely. That's really good information to have about who a person is. Mm -hmm. But he's, like, really pushing Jim in this episode. They're like, no, don't like the humidity. You don't want to go to Saint Augustine. And Elowande literally is like, so and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you just said that. Um, but I'm, I don't know, I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, I think I, I maybe hadn't realized that until literally you said it. But yeah, because that really carries over to the like. Jim, you're like freakishly secretive. I know literally nothing about you. <laughs> and, like, you know, you're my close friend. We've been like through all kinds of random ass shit for the past year. And it's like, that also feels very real to be like, okay, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. And even after they have this really lovely time with Jim's mana, Olawande is still like kind of in that space because the way that he talks to jim's nana after she is like so shitty to jim and is like you're such a disappointment like he doesn't try to smooth things over he doesn't you know sort of try to tactfully leave he's like i'm gonna go try to repair the damage you just did like that is confrontation of a level that I, we have not witnessed from him at all up until this point, but is like super hot. Can I just say shit talking your friends, shitty relatives is a hot thing to do as with your friend's consent, ideally. But like,
1: yeah, no, I think it was like 110%, like 110% the right thing to do. And especially because Nana could throw a knife just as well as Jim. Like Nana is dangerous. Like, Two seconds before, there's, you know, we have this scene where they're like laughing and like eating cake, and it's like, oh, Nana has a kind of a dark sense of humor. And so it's like, kind of like with confronting any of the pirates that they're in contact with, you know. Alwandi had no idea what was going to happen once he said that line, but he was just like, you know what, fuck it. I like, what the fuck? I got to go talk to Jim because what the fuck was all of that? Which was, of course, the appropriate response to all of that fucking childhood trauma and fucking family pressure bullshit that just happened. So
0: yeah, it's perfect. Um, I think that's mostly it that I have for Olawande here, assuming that we're going to talk about like the almost kiss at a later point. We sure are. Okay. So who do you want to talk about next?
1: Do you want to talk a little bit about Jim?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, this is essentially Jim's backstory episode. Um, we get a shit ton about Jim. And I feel like Oluwande is... R- I mean, okay. So Oluwande's episode is like, you know, Jim, you're like surprisingly well-adjusted for a orphan raised by a like vengeance-seeking nun. And I wouldn't exactly go that far. Uh, I think a lot of the freakishly secretive stuff and also just... I think it's safe to say that um, I don't think Nana was providing a lot of... Uh, Lessons about being emotionally open and vulnerable as a person (laughs) to Jim. I mean, Jim's kind of growing up post this awful traumatic thing happening just seems like, I mean, it's basically a montage out of like so many action movies where it's like, I got to teach you how to fight. I mean, yeah, it's basically kind of similar to the action montage out of Birds of Prey with
0: The Huntress. Yeah, with The Huntress, it's very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that I noticed that... I thought was a nice touch like it softens just the tiniest bit uh like what Jim's childhood was like is the scene after they successfully catch the mouse we see them go over to like show it to Nana and she like open arms like embraces them and I like I don't know just knowing that there was at least like that like there was like physical affection there was like encouragement and, like, praise for doing a good job makes me happy. I like knowing that it wasn't just, you know, buck up, life is pain, mm-hmm. which is kind mm-hmm. of the, like, level of emotional intimacy I had as a child. <laughs> it wasn't life is pain, it was uh, c'est la vie, which is very similar, yeah. you know? I'm just glad the Jim at least had that, even though it was still, like, way too much pressure for a small child obviously
1: but. yeah it's a lot to put on their tiny little shoulders so yeah it's like after all that it's like get him a fucking puppy or something jesus christ
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so a fun fact is that apparently originally it was supposed to turn out that jim lied when they said that their favorite color is teal and that it was actually purple and it was supposed to be part of this like freakishly secretive thing but vico ortiz was like no that's the color of olawande's earring i want jim's favorite color to actually be teal please and they were like oh yeah that's cute okay
1: oh yeah these two actors ship jim and and Olu- ship jim and olawande really hard and i am so here for not only them being invested in it but for the show to be like, you guys want to almost kiss in this episode? Okay, yeah, sure, fucking do it. It's
0: like yes. Wait, so they chose that too?
1: Um, I, from what I could, from what I read, it was they want to do a full on kiss, and they so they shot a full on kiss, and then I think an almost kiss, and they the show went for the almost kiss. But I think both those two things were improvised.
0: Okay, the almost kiss. I mean, as much as I would have loved to see the kiss, I think the almost kiss is honestly like really perfect it was the right choice
1: i mean i think it's perfect to have the extra groundwork that it's not just one-sided on like all of one day's part about like falling for like your best friend but mm-hmm. that there is like a like a mutual attraction and affection between the two of them
0: yeah and it makes it so that when they are reunited a couple episodes from now like that kiss has been waiting so long to happen that is really, really nice. Oh, Just like so good. really good. I know. So I'm glad they didn't actually kiss in this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, having an almost kiss is like perfect Yeah. 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 I mean it's been an emotional day for for Jim and for all of one day. It's I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like the sort of I don't want to say it's a gay trope, but it's like bringing your friend home to your family. And it's like, oh wow, having to deal with your shitty, your shitty bio family. It's like, oh, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the vibes of this episode, of Jim's uh, thread of this episode. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: I, um, that moment where, at the end where is like, be careful. And Jim is like, you know me, but they don't say it like, you know me. They're like, you know me. And because Jim is, you know, freakishly secretive, them say like delivering it like that is very much like i may be freakishly secretive but like in the way that truly matters like you know me like you know my soul and like i think olavanda hears it that way there's just like so much gravity to that i just i know i can't convey with words the feelings that it gives me but there are a lot it's
1: so it's so good it's so it's so good. And it's just it's just so good that we get these moments between Jim and all in one day and sort of, you know, us finding out more about Jim. And it's just really great where it's like, this isn't about Jim being non-binary. It's like a whole different thing. And it's like this is just this is all I ever want <laughs> in mm-hmm. media is to see you know, non-binary and trans and queer folks just being like, okay, yes, but I also have to go on a rolling rampage of revenge against these mercenaries. And it's just like, yes, right. exactly. And then yeah. you have this moment with your, like, buddy who it's like, oh, more, maybe more than just your buddy. And it's just, oh, my God.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. And sorry, this I think to complete the thought that I was trying to express and then words failed me, it's like we start the episode with Olawande, like very insistently being like I don't know you like I spend all this time with you but I don't know you and then we end with Jim being like you know me and Olawande is like I know and that's why I'm telling you to be careful and it's like he has realized that despite you know sort of the details of Jim's life being kept secret like the most important part of like what makes Jim Jim is actually totally known by him
1: I know
2: uh,
1: yeah whatever the uh, the opposite of the mortifying ideal of being known. It's like the, I don't know. Anyway, that's what's happening. It's very sweet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Lucius a little bit?
1: We sure can. My baby.
0: <laughs> it's a really strong episode for Lucius. I feel yeah, like...
1: The, the awkward third wheel of the, of the, of the, of the B-plot of this episode.
0: <laughs> I know, but honestly, like not even awkward like I don't think he feels awkward which I think is a lot of my like Lucius is a Gemini thing because he's just like here and like they can't make him feel uncomfortable which is like big Gemini energy. <laughs> and so many of the things like screenshots that I pulled for my Lucius is a Gemini uh, Instagram poster from this episode because he's so fucking sassy when Ed is like, if it were real, why would she have sold you the map? And Lucius is like, oh, strong question. Love that. You're like, that is so rude. <laughs> I love it so
1: much. <laughs> yeah, I just love how Lucius' whole vibe is like, I'm going to go on this trip, but you cannot make me enjoy it or do anything that I don't. I mean, you can maybe do things I don't want to do, but I'm not going to be quiet about
0: it. <laughs> right, right. And I think that really, in a lot of ways, he goes along with Steed's thing because he is, like, invested in Steed and Ed getting together. And, like, that's really fun for him. And so he's like, yeah, okay. I'll We can do that.
1: Yeah, I actually, I don't know. It's very, it's very sweet, I think, that how Lucius is looking out for Steed in this episode. Because yeah. I think up until this point, you know... You could definitely make the case that Lucius is sort of... And maybe for the most part, like, sort of amused and annoyed by Steed a lot of the time. But this is the episode where we get that, even though those things are probably definitely still true, but that Lucius still cares about Steed as a person and is, you know, sort of in real time watching Steed's Gay Awakening. And is like, okay, well, this is the guy... And you guys are both clearly so obsessed with each other. I better step in.
0: Yep. Oh, my God. Yes. I also feel like I have to point out when Steed tells Lucius to come help him dig. And Lucius (laughs) says, I'm literally the only one here with a wooden finger, but okay. (laughs) Which is such a good line also. I love it. In terms of backstory, we do actually get a tiny piece of information, though, because Lucius says that Steed spent more money on that treasure map than he's ever seen in his life. So that kind of gives us a... So it's like if literacy gives us a bottom most uh, class identification, then like Steed spent more on a treasure map than Lucius has ever seen. We now have like a scale that we can speculate between about yeah where lucius grew up and under what circumstances
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i guess i yeah yeah definitely not as rich as steed but i mean few people in the world are because of how fucking garbage capitalism works so yeah uh
0: that's it that's all my lucius stuff so (laughs) who do you want to talk about next can we talk about ed Mm
1: -hmm. um okay so i want to start off with Ed at the beginning of this episode where he's kind of like, "Uh, you know, I might like move on to the next adventure." And I'm like, "You are clearly so obsessed with Steed. What what has brought what has brought this on? What are you What are you even talking about, my dude?
0: Do you think he's being coy like is he wanting Steed to be like, "No, no. Let's be co-captains."
1: I actually think that maybe what is happening is that Ed is a little freaked out about the amount of vulnerability he has Mm. showed in the previous episode in front of steed and is being like i need to fucking bounce before this i get in any deeper so i mean because i mean steed doesn't you know beg him to stay but steed is like i literally have no problem with you being here please continue to be with here for the rest of my life you know Mm. and it's like ed where where are you gonna go like where even is your ship what do you even talking about (laughs) and i'm just like you panicked and you You woke up this morning you're like fuck
0: (laughs) yeah could be i think that makes sense It also i mean i think it also could be sort of like feeling out just like where are things at this point like what kind of reaction will steed have if i'm like oh yeah i guess i guess i better go yeah silly boy
1: I know. And I mean, he does still go on this trip, even though he clearly would have probably been better off taking that nap that he mentioned (laughs) earlier. But, you know, what is he going to do? Not listen to Steed ordering him around? I
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't think he would have been better off having having the nap because most of the time doing an adventure even if you get hangry and frustrated like at the end of the day you're not mad that you did the adventure so yeah i think it was the right choice
1: especially for someone who gets uh what i would assume bored easily as Mm -hmm. ed does
0: do you have other ed stuff
1: uh a little bit yeah so i just want to talk a little bit about sort of when lucius tells ed tells him off for being a dick to steed and how this is all for him and he looks like sort of confused about it like the fuck are you talking about and i think that i think this is a result of ed's sort of self-esteem issues that like even though he's like fucking blackbeard it's like i don't think he still think he i don't think he still has like I don't think he's internalized that people would want to spend time with like just Ed and not mm. Blackbeard, which I mean is mm. sort of the message that Izzy give give has been giving him, and unfortunately will give him later. So, and so I feel kind of like that's why he has that sort of like what are you talking about, Lucius look on his face like that until that whole time is to be like, oh really? Is he, yeah. is he like spending time with me? Yes, <laughs> he is obsessed with you. <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah, these guys are so silly. they are so silly, you know,
1: All right, that's and that's all I have.
0: okay. um, I just have a tiny bit about steed, yeah, just <sighs> I don't know. I really appreciate and like identify with him being like, I will make this fun if it is the last thing I do try just he's trying so hard and also I don't know I don't really know how to describe it it just like is really cute and really relatable and also I love that everyone else gives it to him and that I think that they do genuinely end up having fun because they are trying like I don't know it's kind of like how if you like Smile while reading a joke, you find the joke funnier than if you frown while reading the joke. Fun study if anyone wants to look that up. Like, pretending to have fun leads to having fun a lot of the time, and everyone kind of wins as a result of Steed's real goofy little adventure that he forces them on.
1: This is true, and also, you really can't beat spending time with your crush, even if your crush is hangry.
0: (laughs) True, it's true.
1: I mean, especially after he takes his jacket off and he's just in that fucking purple crop top and you're like, great. Yeah, we can we can keep wandering around while I check out your ass. It's fine. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. yeah,
0: definitely. Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric? Where we talk about aesthetics.
1: Uh, wait, before we get started. Um, you yes. can't really see. I am wearing... So my shirt has little fucking oranges on it.
0: Oh my God. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: I did. I did end up buying the uh, unofficial gym shirt from Old Navy that has like oranges on it, but it has not come in yet. But I already owned this because I saw this and I was like, this is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. That's amazing.
0: I tried to wear purple, but I don't own any. Um, (laughs) But my I have like very purple eye makeup today, so oh, nice. Thank you.
1: Oh, sorry for listeners. Wearing an orange and white striped shirt, and the white
0: stripes have little orange oranges on them. I'll post. I'll post something on whatever that website is where we post pictures of things, and people click the heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know the one.
1: <laughs> the one, yeah. The thing the one that one the kids are using these days.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like we should start. By, like, killing everyone's joy about Olawande wearing Crocs because they're not Crocs.
1: I think that's an excellent place to start. um,
0: Because
1: I, too, thought they were Crocs in this episode.
0: Yeah, those are the shoes he, the only shoes he wears in the whole, the whole series. But um, they, they're just clogs. They're made of leather. It's just the case that almost all clogs that we see in this day and age are, crocs so it makes a lot of sense that we look at them and think croc but they are in fact like a historically accurate footwear and i'm very sorry to be the bearer of bad news
1: i mean i think it's hilarious
0: that people are
1: just like he's wearing crocs but i'm also glad to know that it was actually uh Part of the costume that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Although I wonder if in the next season they are just going to put him in, like, a rotating (laughs) pair of, like, different colored Crocs because everyone's (laughs) been so excited about it. Oh, man. I mean, I think the, the actor, when season two was announced, like, his tweet about it was, better buy some new Crocs. So... It, this has become, you know, a phenomena that like everyone involved in the show is aware of. So,
1: honestly, Crocs should just make that guy a, a spokesperson for Crocs. Like, send him, <laughs> send him, send him, send him like eight pairs of Crocs. Get, pay him to do a like sponsored Instagram post or whatever. I mean, why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, what do you have next?
1: Um, we get our first shot of uh. The uh, red flower and bird print breakup robe in this episode.
0: It's true, we do. It's a very, very beautiful robe.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. Did I talk about you can make it from a pattern online? Or does. just text it with you about
0: that? You and I talked about it, but we did not talk about it on the air.
1: Oh, so anyone who is interested in acquiring this robe, people are selling it on, on Etsy, obviously. I also found a link. Like to a Google Doc of someone who's like, here's just a really basic pattern about how to hand sew this robe with either a similar fabric, like a silk velvet fabric, or if you want to not spend that much money, a lookalike fabric. And I will make sure to get those to you, Lark, so we can put it in the show notes. If you too want uh, Ed, Ed teach a breakup robe.
0: And who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, so Steed is looking very subdued today, wearing colors that we've only seen in his flashbacks to pre-runaway Steed. Everyone's in kind of a palette in this episode, except Ed, who's weirdly the brightest person today. But I did find it curious. I mean, it is the one he was wearing at home was not a shiny fabric. And this one is like a very luxurious, shiny satin thing but
1: yeah you mean you mean his brown the like the, the like bronzy colored outfit he's wearing before when, when they first get
0: yeah his his pre-safari outfit mm-hmm.
1: maybe maybe ed isn't the only one feeling unsure of themselves this episode maybe steve is also feeling a little bit of feeling some feelings
0: he's like oh i should try to dress more goth for my hot goth crush and that's like the closest he can get <laughs> is wearing like autumn colors instead of spring colors.
1: Yep. <laughs> I love that. <sighs> uh, and then of course we have Steed's explorer outfit.
0: Oh my gosh he's so funny.
1: Uh You know he does take Jim's advice into account about the humidity and wears a hat to protect mm-hmm. his luscious gold curls. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And the rest of it- Really,
0: just so wild. He looks like Steve Irwin. It's so fucking funny. It is.
1: Yeah, it is. It is very cute. (laughs) Uh,
0: Between this and the last episode, I just wish that we had more like theme, like things where Steed could do a themed outfit. You know, I'm sure we will in future seasons, but. mm -hmm uh pete is wearing a horseshoe like a full horseshoe on his belt where a buckle would be but it's not a buckle
1: he's been doing that since episode two (laughs) has he yeah
0: okay this is the first time i've noticed it why haven't we talked about it before
1: i don't remember but yes he sure does
0: it looks Uh, so uncomfortable
1: (laughs) maybe he's trying to make sure that he's very lucky i don't know
0: yeah doesn't it look like it, it like when you sat down it would like be poking you in the stomach <laughs> I feel like,
1: you know as someone who has a lot of stomach uh i feel like my tolerance for thing for like you know i don't know i feel like maybe it doesn't bother him as much <laughs> okay as someone who has a lot of stomach and it's kind of like sort of like yeah it's fine okay it is it is quite the look though
0: it really is it's like his statement piece i think <laughs> But his statement pieces has incredible rainbow shorts. Listen. (laughs) You can never have too many statement pieces. It's fine.
1: I'm about to say gay culture is having too many statement pieces. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, what do you have next?
1: Um, just the last and potentially most important part aesthetic of this episode, which is Ed's purple fucking crop
0: top. I'm shocked that that's your last aesthetic point, but that's fine.
1: (laughs) Oh. Um... I feel like the first time I watched this episode, I, like, lost my mind that he was wearing this bright-ass purple T-shirt under his leather jacket. I was just like, are you guys fucking kidding me? <laughs> Made especially great for the folks that have not read one of the more recent David Jenkins interviews where it's like, oh, yeah, we have the purple. We put in more purple into Ed's look, the, you know, when there's times when he's, like, really... You know realizing he's falling in love and it's just like how dare you but also yes perfect
0: yeah yeah it is um he looks amazing like amazing
1: yeah it's just like only wear purple crop
0: tops my dude <laughs> i mean we would miss his coat if he went too long without it but
1: yeah also the fact that it's a, a crop
0: top is just i know it's really hot <laughs> <laughs> it's really good so good <sighs> so in my opinion the last and maybe second most important look in this episode is jackie's third all red incredible outfit that we see
1: that's fair you're right yeah
0: because it's not no repeats but only all red like that's so hot sorry i didn't mean to cut you no off.
1: i just love her commitment to her all red as like aesthetic
0: yeah she has a palette it is one color and it fucking works it is so hard unless it's black to wear only one color and like make it work but like she's always wearing so many layers Different colors of red often do not look good together, but like she looks flawless every time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she wears a really great shirt in the next episode too. I can't wait. Yeah. I know.
0: Her eyeshadow in this one also really fucking hot. So stylish. Yeah.
1: So stylish. She is. I love it.
0: Welcome. Two, Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. So you're first.
1: Um, Jesus fucking Christ, Jim's backstory. Yeah. It is so intense. It's so intense. It's like, you couldn't just be an orphan. It's like watching your family murdered in front of you and then blacking out and being a feral child in the woods for how long, who knows how long, until you're found by your grandma and a priest- And raised to be a perfect killing machine. It's like, no breaks!
0: No. No. It's really intense.
1: Like, holy PTSD, Batman.
0: And then their grandma, you know, telling them that they're a disappointment because they've only murdered one man in their, you know, presumably short life. Like, I don't think Jim's that old. No. Like, 25 tops, probably.
1: I would, that would be my guess also so yeah
0: yeah i don't know man it's rough it's really rough
1: yeah and like also probably another reason why they're secretive like you can't just casually be like oh yeah like my family was like murdered in front of me and i like mentally blocked out almost all of that trauma right and then i had to like forage in the woods like an animal for like weeks right
0: yeah you know No. The, yeah no uh, no therapy in the early 1700s, late 1600s. No, you know, and not any sort of, like, healthy coping, I don't think, super available in their house growing up. So, yeah, it's definitely not an ideal childhood to be no. quite lighthearted about it.
1: You know, it's honestly like... Okay, so I mean, I mentioned earlier that it's like, okay, but how well adjusted is Jim? But I am actually want to discuss that I think actually Jim is, as we see them, like pretty well adjusted for like what is going on with him. Especially like, uh, let's take, for example, Ed. I was actually thinking about this while I was writing out my notes about his sort of morning rage before they ate, had a snack, you know, on the trip. And I'm kind of like, all right, so we see Ed drinking a lot to kind of self-medicate. We see him smoking his weed pipe and, like, having, like, a regular tobacco pipe. And it's sort of, like, not great coping mechanisms, but, like, understandable coping mechanisms. Like, we don't see Jim do any of that. Right. Um, And I'm sure part of it is that, like, you know, if you're trying to be an alert killing machine, you don't, like, want to totally be, like, out of control, you know? And especially for that time when they were pretending to be jim a totally cis dude you know right but i mean what we see in this episode is like jim working out their feelings by like throwing like throwing some knives which is like pretty healthy coping mechanism from like the intensity of like seeing their grandma for the first time of after who knows how long right and it's like having this really just awkward uncomfortable interaction with them you know
0: yeah definitely yeah it's basically their version of i don't know like hitting a punching bag or something yeah it's like yeah this is a reasonably healthy outlet for the feelings you're having
1: yeah that and their journal obviously
0: right yeah (laughs) that's true they are remarkably well adjusted for an orphan raised by a nun to be a killing machine
1: yeah yeah i mean i resort to self-medication for a lot less trauma. so (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, Jim, you're actually like, once you sort of get past the like rolling revenge rampage, like, you know, you can really just move forward with your life with Olawande and being cute together.
0: Yeah. Although it might be the case that, you know, they finish what they're doing and then they don't know what to do with themselves. Like, thinking about Inigo Montoya at the end of The Princess Bride being like, I've been doing vengeance for so long. Now he's dead. I don't know what to do with myself, you know? And luckily he gets to become a pirate. But, you know, I think that sort of like crisis of self when you have this one drive, or also Huntress and Birds of Prey too, and there needs to be someone there to be like, I have a job opportunity for you. And hopefully being one of Steed and Ed's goofy Pirates will be enough, but I can also yeah. see it coming with, like, a identity crisis of its own.
1: Which would be a really cool thing to explore next season. hmm Besides being a part of the anti-steeds crew <laughs> with, with Blackbeard. Right, so. right.
0: Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff.
1: Um, I want to talk about Roach, who I love. Me too. Okay. Roach is actually, I would say, a very good cook slash doctor for this ship. Like, does Steve even know about scurvy? Because I think that Roach's response to them not having oranges and the Swede having scurvy is the appropriate response. And see, just being like, I don't know, eat an apple or whatever. It's like, dude, do you not know anything about fucking scurvy? <laughs> Which is possible because... Clearly, Steve does not have any sailor seafaring knowledge. He just read some novels about pirates and went for it, right? But yeah, no, this is a notoriously large problem for sailors. <laughs> is <Right>. It's scurvy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, despite Roach's uh, "knives or knife meat and meat" line, I like. I feel like <laughs> Roach probably does actually know a little bit of what he's doing with like. Yeah, you know, we we need like you know some other herbs and like plants on here so people don't fucking die
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no i think i think that you're totally correct on both counts both that steed i mean i'm sure steed has like heard of scurvy but like it's something that's like so far away to him like i don't know if someone was like talking about leprosy to us you know i feel like when i learned that people still get leprosy i was like floored it's like but that's a bible times disease
1: (laughs) i i felt that way when i learned people still get leprosy and also when i learned that people still got tuberculosis
0: yeah same me too yeah right so i feel like that's kind of the relationship that steve probably has to scurvy it's just like but what do you mean like that's a that's a myth myth disease you know but yeah no roach roach is great i think roach is what like a secretly competent person
1: yeah he he you know he is uh he's enthusiastic about his passions which sometimes involves torturing the hostages the hostages <laughs> yeah. but yeah no yeah. I actually I actually just really love it
0: yeah no he's so great it's just so much fun
1: i know we're just we're just such a great character
0: um yes so my next thing is that this is jim's them episode like this is where we really i think this might be the first time that we get anyone using pronouns for jim
1: they i thought they've been using they them pronouns since after they were like i'm not a mermaid
0: i don't think anyone has used pronouns for jim period i don't think we've heard them talked about in the third person
1: interesting okay yeah
0: so i think it like starts here and they just like They're like, we are going to use pronouns for Jim 75 times in the first five minutes, go. And they do, and it's it's just so great. And then, I don't, just, like, this is such good gender affirmation happening in this episode. Because it's not just that, it's also, like, these explicitly queer cis- male pirates talking about being attracted to jim that i think is like very affirming and then like their nana being like i'm using the correct pronouns for you and like half the time the correct name for you it's just real good it's real good
1: i know it is really great oh my god I'm just so fucking deeply refreshing jesus christ
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um frenchie and Wee john's conversation about like wanting to be stabbed by jim is i just think like deeply trans-affirming conversation
1: (laughs) yeah i have a little bit about that in that
0: and and they were co-captains but yes
1: yeah i mean i would also like to be stabbed by jim anyway (laughs) (laughs) okay so my only other thing here is and i guess let me know if you want to talk about this actually and then they were co-captains but i want to talk about how Ed and, Ed and Steed's like very funny weird flirting as gay culture.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds great.
1: It's it's just so funny. The like the minute that they just start going back and forth about this ridiculous like blackbeard's bar and grill and other delicacies and fishing tackle whatever the hell. <laughs> and like, delights,
0: delicacies yeah. and delights. Delicacies and delights and fishing equipment.
1: Yeah. And, just the, and then like cutting back to Lucius who's like what the What? (laughs) Is what I think is going on, going on, and just... (laughs) Because I feel like I have done this exact thing
0: with people. Yeah. Okay, look, (laughs) I see... And I think I've talked about this already. I don't understand, like, is this truly, like, specifically only how gay people flirt? Because what makes me feel confused about it is, like, pre-me being out as trans... All of the relationships that I had, at least the other person in the relationship, was under the assumption that they were in a straight relationship. Mm-hmm. But this is, all, this is how the flirting went. Like, this is identifiable flirting to me. So, like, was it? I mean, it's hard to argue that, like, those were, like, straight relationships because I don't think that that really makes sense. So, like, maybe. I don't know. I don't know is this how is how do straight people flirt then i want answers to this this is what people should write to us about please tell me how do straight people
1: flirt well as someone who i feel like has not successfully flirted with straight people i'm kind of like (laughs) i don't know i just because because i feel like i think for me what just feels really familiar with about this is that this bit with uh ed and steed in the bar and grill just like I feel like it's also kind of a similar thing that you do if if you know people who are like really big into like tabletop RPGs, which mm-hmm. is just a sort of like, you're just keeping the story like going. And it's yeah. like, it can get more ridiculous and it doesn't like even matter. And so I feel like part of me is like, oh, this is how like weird nerds flirt. But I'm like, this has only worked for me with people who are also queer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it like feels like it, like it, it Like, I feel like it just like when you're going that long, it's only with I feel like I'm like, I've only experienced that personally with people who are like also queer. So I'm kind of just like,
0: I think also it helps if you're friends with the person, right? Yeah. If you like start flirting with someone that you're already friends with, because like, you know, what's going to make them laugh, you know, how to Mm -hmm. like, press their buttons and stuff like that, which is, yeah, which I think is also part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you're right. And this is also very similar to the way that I interact with my friends.
0: <laughs> right. It's also, right. It's like, I have conversations like this, like, via text message with people all the time who I am not flirting with. I'm just, like, being goofy with. Yeah. Yourself included. I feel like this is, like, yeah. at least a third of our text conversation. Yeah.
1: No, definitely same. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: It's, like, an iconic moment of television, regardless of any of this. It is, like going to be referenced in articles 50 years from now if the world is still around.
1: I know. Oh, it's so good. Yeah.
0: It's going to be on, like, listicles that people are, like, downloading into their brains directly (laughs) or whatever. It's, like, 50 best improvised moments of television. Like, number one, this scene from Our Flag Means Death season one.
1: I already feel like it's just been downloaded into my brain for the amount of just... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so... It's like, it's so good. And it's also like, really one of the benefits I think of when you're enjoying art that is made by people who are also friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, and I feel like sometimes, especially if you're watching like a mainstream thing, you're sort of just like, this feels like nepotism when this director always has like this actor in their thing or whatever, or you're just kind of like, oh, these guys are always in a thing together. But, like, when it works, like, in this scene, it, like, really works. This bizarre impro- improvisation, like, bit between Ed and Steed is just, like, I think you'd be hard-pressed to, you'd be hard-pressed to just write it cold. Like, this is the sort of thing that I think is also resting on the, like, friendship between Reese Derby and Taika Watiti also, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And the fact that they both are. Are improv actors and like stand up comedians too? Like, mm-hmm. they have a real solid basis to be able to create something like this. That if you took even one of those aspects out, I think the whole thing would probably collapse.
1: Right. And so then what we get is just this, like, really just like, we just get this moment where it's like, didn't you guys just we- meet like three weeks ago and this is already happening? Like, y'all are in, y'all are in deep.
0: Oh, they are <laughs> so deep
1: um <laughs> i uh, just like and just like sort of just like lucius sort of just like absorbing this and just being like what is oh that that's what's happening mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah like <laughs> watching I'm a ping pong match
1: Him singing out loud. <laughs> i know
0: <it's> like, <laughs> lucius is the audience proxy for this episode <laughs> just like It's so validating to hear him say what all of us behind our screens are, like, thinking, if not saying out loud, you know? Yeah. Uh, So good. (laughs) So good. I know. Uh, This actually leads really nicely into my sort of rant about my appreciation of everyone just, like, giving Steed this thing. Starting with... (laughs) ed being like we didn't come all this way not to dig something (laughs) (laughs) so tender but my absolute favorite part and it's so easy to miss that it's not even in the subtitles is that when ed is like plus pirates are always burying stuff at the base of trees steed says now i just feel like you're patronizing me and ed says i am it's well i didn't catch that i know it's like again like it's not in the subtitles but he very clearly says it and it's so fucking cute like that is such good flirting i love it yes watch it again everyone watch it again so that you can catch it because it's incredible
1: yeah yeah but just the change in his enthusiasm about this once he realizes what's going on yeah it's very endearing
0: Um, And I have a question for you about this. So here's what happens is like, Ed like washes the orange and gives it to Steed and Steed gives it to Jim and is like, I guess you should have it. And Jim is like looking at it and holding it and then like looks off camera and is like, no, that's okay. You can have it. And based on the, like where everyone is standing before we're looking at Jim, I'm pretty sure they are looking at Ed who is like, don't you dare fucking keep that orange.
1: <laughs> he would, yes. That is right? exactly what is happening. <laughs> happening. Yeah, he's either like mouthing something at them or is like glaring at them to be like, right.
0: don't you fucking dare.
1: Yeah, right. like, exactly. I, we're going to have
0: to keep digging for treasure until he finds something else if you don't give Steve that orange. <laughs> uh, it makes me so happy. I know. What do you have next?
1: I actually don't have anything next.
0: All right. Me too. Because we already talked about Spanish Jackie saying that she doesn't know. <laughs> so good. Spanish Jackie. <laughs> uh she only gives one word responses to the point that she turns I don't know into one word, so that she's still only giving one word responses, <laughs> which I think is so beautiful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is honestly all of the answer that fucking chauncey Bradman deserves so yeah good on her
0: <laughs> yeah welcome to and they were co-captains where we talk about sexy stuff your turn
1: uh we've gotten to our uh episode with the section title in it i know i always love it i actually want to start off with i didn't so i didn't notice it until this watch through but when we john is like i would love to be stabbed by jim like we john and Frenchie immediately like share a like look or it's like hell yeah bro yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. it makes me so happy and it's also just like yeah relatable
0: <laughs> totally yes oh we covered a lot of my stuff here uh we did not talk about the part in the flirting where ed's like oh that's who i want to come to my restaurant who's that guy and steve's like that's me and ed goes ah yeah
1: yeah i think that's when it like goes from just like weird gay flirting to like that is a transition to sort of like easily recognizable flirting Mm mm-hmm uh, especially because right after that, we get the bit where like Ed has some like snake in his beard and Steve is trying to direct him where it is. And finally just like Ed just sort of like leans in for Steve just to pick it out. Yeah. Um, which <sighs> fucking love. <laughs> so cute. Uh, and I also just want to I also just want to point out that like we get the contrast of this in the episode where they're on the French ship. Where like one some of those one of the like random French lady tries to like touch Ed's hair, he like physically jerks back, like yeah, you know, and and so this and so of course this is when Lucius is like, oh my god, this is happening,
0: <laughs> right, right,
1: <laughs> like pretty sure no one is allowed to touch uh, Blackbeard's beard except for Steed, and it's just like, oh okay, that's that's how this is. all right okay
0: (laughs) yeah i love it absolutely um so i don't know i just think we have to acknowledge the person whoever is playing alfeo de la faca is a beautiful man he's so hot
1: i feel like i get distracted by it because the the scene where he's like just biting into an unpeeled orange and like the bit in his mustache is like very visually
0: kind of gross to me. It's not unpeeled. It's only half peeled. It's only half peeled.
1: And then like it it like a little bit grosses me out, but then it's like, oh I see why Spanish Jackie married you. Yeah. Which maybe Spanish Jack maybe just all of Spanish Jackie's husbands are like Spanish.
0: Oh maybe.
1: (laughs) I mean between this dude and Geraldo.
0: Right. I don't know. Although I don't think Alfeo is Spanish. I think he's Probably indigenous. Fair. Um but I learned that San Augustine was colonized by the Spanish in like fifteen something, early, late fifteen hundreds, somewhere in there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yes, the actor, babe.
1: Yeah, for real. All right. Um, so I just have a few more things. We ready to talk about Alawanda being like I can be your family? Which is just like (sighs) It kill it kills me every time. I'm just like, oh my god! Just... I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that is queer culture.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes,
2: that is also <laughs> queer culture. <sighs> uh, yeah. So,
0: if they weren't already living together, Olawande is ready to U-Haul. Like <laughs> 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 uh, Yes. It sure is. It's so good. Oh I my god, know. I just love it so much. um Co-captains with a bunch of exclamation marks is my last thing here.
1: Yeah, the the way that Ed says co-captains like feels like he's admitting he's in love with Steve. The
0: way it, he, the way he's looking at him,
1: because Steve's like, woo, co-captains?" and that's not where Ed is at. <laughs> <laughs> when he's like co-cap, and I'm just like.
0: <laughs> i think steed is there a little bit
1: i mean steed is there in the way that once he thinks back about this moment once he realizes he's deeply in love with ed he's gonna be like oh yeah
0: mm-hmm. that yeah. makes sense mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah because i feel like i don't know and we could talk about this once we like get to like the last episode but I don't know. I do I do kind of wonder if Steed is still at a point where he's just like, me and Ed are really good friends. Yeah. Like, really, really good. Like, really close. Like, I want him to be my friend forever, and then for us, him to never leave me, and for us to grow old together. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, Steve, there's another word I think you could use <laughs> when you're, like, romantically and also sexually attracted to someone. And, you know, like, I think... <laughs> Like this isn't a queer platonic relationship, my dude. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's because he just like can't even imagine that Ed is interested in him in that way?
1: I think it could be a mix of that and like maybe for the first time in Steed's life, someone who isn't seriously mocking him for being a weirdo. Yeah. You know? Cause it's like someone who was bullied a lot as a child, I feel like when like i was younger like i feel like my friendships felt extra intense because i was just like must hold on all hands like
0: to you as my friend
1: you know and i think that and i i feel that that is sort of what steed is doing and and just like also just so excited to have like a friend that like there might be a small part of him but like either he's like totally ignoring it or he's just like You know, this is what friends do. Like we're pirates. Pirates are friendly, and like I don't know, whatever's going through his brain.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: And like, also, what is what is queer culture if not realizing that people are in love with their friends?
2: Yeah, (laughs) very true.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Welcome to the crystals attract demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff forgot what i say for this podcast close enough (laughs) all right so let's start by talking about this moth if that's okay yeah all right so there there is no such thing as a candied melon silk moth uh the moth that is actually dryocampa uh rubicunda is a something maple moth maple silk maple silk moth something like that they live in maple trees mm-hmm. um they do potentially live in Florida it's like the southernmost part of their range they notoriously live in maple trees this he finds this one in like a palm tree but there are no maple trees in California where they're shooting so whatever however the thing that made me look this up is like this is 1717. And he uses this name, Dryocampa Rubicunda. And I was like, when did binomial nomenclature become a thing? The answer to that is 1750. And uh, this particular moth was not named until 1793. Which again, doesn't matter. But like, I think is a fun thing to know about. So
1: that is pretty funny. Um. Okay. Wait. I'm sorry. I don't know why. It, I meant to look up where Saint Augustine's was. Why did it? Why did I not realize that they were in Florida?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They're in Florida. I assumed that Saint Augustine, Florida, was probably named after like another island somewhere else, but it is in fact the only Saint Augustine aside from the Saint Augustine. So
1: I guess it. I guess it makes sense then. Then why there's it's notorious for oranges, like Florida is yeah. notorious for orange trees. Wow, I feel very silly right now. Um, <laughs> but it's a good to- <laughs> Oh, God. No, sorry. I'm just like, so I go write a modern AU where Jim is from the, like, a dirtbag part of Florida. <laughs>
0: <laughs> St. Augustine, Florida now is actually still, like, very beautiful and you know, as one of the places in the U.S. that was colonized very early on. And then somehow people didn't go in and just tear everything down, which is what we like to do in the U.S. There's like very old buildings. Also, that's where the uh, Fountain of Youth is allegedly. Um, and you can like go there and there's like a cute college. I'm seeing all this like I've done anything but drive through it, which is all I have done with <laughs> Saint Augustine, Florida. But it was super cute
1: i've never actually been here i'm sorry all i just keep thinking about is jason mendoza from the good place (laughs) and like the variety of like gainesville florida jokes that they have in that show
0: they're very far away from each other
1: yeah i know
0: (laughs) why do i know so much about florida geography I don't, know. I don't even like when we started making the gaily prophet i didn't even know that scotland was attached to the united kingdom and yet i'm like let me tell you all about where the cities in Florida are. <laughs> uh, oh well my brain space is used the way that it's used and i can't do anything about it mm-hmm. so what do you have
1: okay uh this is another thing i didn't actually look up but as a baker a 40 orange cake using uh, no a 40 orange glaze using the zest and the juice from the oranges like even if they're small oranges is a fuck load of orange glaze like more orange glaze than you would i think i mean i think if you had like a like a four-tiered wedding cake maybe that'd be enough glaze to cover all of it yeah and so and of course i mean the 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 recipe you know, is obviously not 450 oranges for the cake and the glaze because that right. is a ridiculous amount. Like, a ridiculous volume.
0: Yeah. I think it calls for, like, eight eight or ten oranges. You don't use the juice from all of them. A lot of it is just the zest.
1: Yeah. Like, whatever recipe Steed had, Roach use, is outrageous.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, it, it would have been, like, a tres leches cake, but yeah. it's just orange, like, an orange glaze. It's <laughs> just, like, swimming in orange glaze. <laughs>
0: Yeah, or it could have been, like, a, a pie, mix orange glaze with gelatin, and then you just have, like, an orange pie. I would fucking eat that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it is just for it is just for the good. But I'm, like, if you try to attempt to make a 40 orange, a 50 orange cake, you would right. have a lot of glaze left over.
0: So much <laughs> that's
1: glaze. What, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
0: yeah, okay. My next thing, we're gonna learn about scurvy from our terrible history book.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I immediately stopped reading about scurvy once you said that.
0: It's <laughs> a yeah. want... kick, Jesse, off of Wikipedia. Everyone I was like, "Stop it!" The, w-
1: the, the Wikipedia <laughs> article about scurvy is very long in detail. It was very interesting. If you're, if anyone else is interested in learning more information about about scurvy.
0: Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Scurvy and seafaring men go together like dogs and fleas. This disease is reckoned to have killed 200,000 seamen between 1500 and 1900. The problem was dietary. Sailors didn't seem to realize that a human being needs fruits and vegetables to keep reasonably healthy. Even if they had realized it, however, in those days, on board ship, there was no way of keeping produce from rotting after more than a couple of days. So, as we know, scurvy results from uh, no vitamin C. The symptoms are loss of appetite, pale skin with dark blotches. This is disgusting. I don't want to read it. Anyway, spongy pimply gums that bleed easily, teeth falling out, swelling of the legs, roughness of the skin, diarrhea, awful lethargy, and loss of vision. So, but that's like worst, worst, worst. The the Swede is having a fun mix of like deeply acute scurvy and like very low-key scurvy (laughs) because you know it's a show and also we don't want to see anyone have real bad scurvy because it's revolting
1: yeah yeah i think uh i think there's like on the wikipedia article a sort of like gnarly photo of like not nails falling out but like the kind of gross nail bed when you have scurvy and i'm like i don't need this
0: no actually no pictures So there's a fun fact following this, which is that British sailors were called limeys because after 1795, the Royal Navy provided fresh lime juice on all voyages, followed by the British Merchant Navy in 1854. In the U.S., we didn't catch on to needing to send produce or citrus on sea voyages until after World War II
1: i feel like uh considering that we are in the midst of an american health crisis i am not surprised by this in the slightest
0: no it like it's like of course of course it's 1795 to world war ii that's 100, 140 years ish yeah. that's so long that's like exactly how much time it takes us to catch up with anything that has to do with taking care of our population
1: yeah you know i do have to, i do have to wonder though i'm like i mean other cultures did long sea voyages it's just that like europeans were just like we don't know why everyone's getting sick and dying after spending like a month and a half at sea you know
0: well s- produce that keeps well long term most of it doesn't grow in the like higher in the northern hemisphere right
1: oh fuck you're right yeah no, that makes sense.
0: Because it really is, like, citrus will keep for a long time. I think if you, other fruits, like, if you pick them, like, early, then they will last for longer, but, like, not a lot of stuff that grows in, like, the UK, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that is true.
0: Anyway, what do you have next?
1: Oh, um, okay, so, uh, petrified oranges do seem to be a real thing. Cool. But, obviously, Petrified wood is way more common just because it takes a really specific process to, like, petrified uh, wood or a vegetable. Volcanic ash, yeah, and, like, a really alkaline sort of, like, water or, like, you know, spring sort of area seems to be crucial in this sort of petr- like, for petrified wood specifically. <laughs> and because, like, it just takes much longer for wood to rot... In general but then especially if it's like in a under a bunch of stuff like not having any oxygen situation which is it seems to be how basically we get petrified wood um you know it's just gonna there's just gonna be more petrified wood than sort of a like petrified produce Mm -hmm. that steed has and that process takes millions of years so it wouldn't like be a petrified orange from like the tree that jim's parents planted for them like 25 (laughs) years previous even though I will say that in my very brief Google search about how long it takes petrified wood to petrify, there was some, I'm putting finger quotations, creation scientist websites that it's like, hey, it only takes a year to petrify wood. We can do it commercially. like, And I'm like, okay, cool. So I guess you're just trying to deny that the <laughs> earth is like older than 2000 years. Okay, cool. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I, like, found one website, I'm like, why is this the only website that is just, like, it takes, you could, we've, we've proven that it takes, like, a year to petrify wood. I'm like, why is no one else saying this? And they went to the About <laughs> Us page, and I'm like, creationist, all right, cool, I don't yeah. need to know anything else. Yeah. And that is why, everyone, you should definitely check your sources on the internet. Yeah. And even if it has a .org URL, does not mean it is from an accredited source. Like it's true, a we could have a
0: .org book. if we wanted to yeah fun um okay my last one is very brief uh izzy says that bonnet done something to his boss's brain and i wrote it's called dopamine and oxytocin
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes it sure is
0: those are the crush hormones everyone it was really fun reading about what happens in our bodies and brains when we have crushes on people and like how the different like the levels of them differ between like the crush phase and the like long term love phase and stuff like that. I will put a link in the show notes if anyone else feels like reading about the chemicals involved in having a crush. But uh yeah, that's that's so uh, cool. That's what Bonnet did to Blackbeard's brain. So Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we talk about our new favorite things, or do a lightning round of our new favorite things, or whatever it is that I say. Uh, So you actually brought up my first new favorite thing earlier, and it is Frenchie's (laughs) cross. (laughs) So good.
1: Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) Every time I see it, it's so funny.
0: Uh, What's your first one?
1: The fact that Jim says, I got oodles of revenge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (sighs) Uh, My second one is Oluande's delivery of, I'm coming for some cake. (laughs) I fucking love it so much. The way that he says, Nan, anyway. Yes, it's so funny. Uh, It's so good.
1: Ed versus the snake is possibly the most cat-like thing we see Ed doing. Where he just goes completely out. <laughs> He's so angry at the
0: snake. It's so ridiculous. Oh. oh my gosh, we did it. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back in one week. Until next time.
1: Farewell, Bonnet's play, thanks.